0: Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Come I mean to wish me a good morning. What do you mean that it is a good morning, whether I want it or not?
1: Please go away. Let me speak for
2: the
3: love of God. <laughs>
4: Listen to that, Ben. We're kicking it off with a banger. The Overture from Ben Hur. That can only signal one thing.
5: This week's all about revenge.
4: Or toga parties.
5: <laughs> Take your well, pick. I think I, I i would carry out revenge on someone who made me go to a toga party. <laughs> <laughs> I think, actually, the revenge would be me turning up in a toga. Well,
4: I do appreciate you did for today's occasion.
5: Yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, but with a name like yours, you know, it's very apt that we start with Ben-Hur, the greatest what revenge movie of all time, many would argue.
5: Yeah, the granddaddy.
4: The granddaddy. Mm. Biblical. Absolutely. <laughs> so secure your gas tanks to your chariots. How do you like that?
5: Yeah. <laughs> it's good way the it's nas. The nas.
4: <laughs> yeah, because we're about to plot a plot of course for revenge, and mm. uh, who knows where the hell we go, because from First Wives Club... To The Revenant, revenge takes all forms. <laughs> and I, I know you've probably got the first wives club there.
5: Uh, no, no. I, still, I It uh, popped up on some lists and I was like, oh, look, it's no wild hogs. <laughs> I can't, uh...
4: Well, you know, it's a good double feature. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: so anyway, strap in and welcome to Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast presented by FakeShamp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. You can find us on Facebook, Podbean, Instagram, iTunes, Spotify the I Heart Radio network, and pretty much just type us into Google, that's where we are. My name is Glenn Cochran, and I have spent over 20 years plotting revenge on the motherfuckers who stole my Adam Sandler cities back in 1998. And riding shotgun with me is my partner in crime, Ben Halwig, who I can only assume is the president of the Revenge TV series fan club.
5: I am indeed. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, I'm good.
4: <laughs> and returning to the desk for his second appearance on Good Movie Monday is writer-director Matthew Holmes, who you will know as the director of The Legend of Ben Hall and Twin Rivers. He has a brand new film in production, and we're going to talk about that shortly. But firstly, good day Matthew. How are you?
6: I'm good, and very glad to be back.
4: It is awesome to have you back. You're Thank the first you. person that's returned to the desk.
6: Oh, really? Yeah, I, think
4: oh, it's probably, I, feel, I feel
6: extra special. It's
4: probably the first person we have had at the desk. <laughs> 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 but definitely the first return guest, so we're really chuffed to have you here, mate. Oh, I love it. You're a vengeful type.
6: It is in me, I'm afraid. Um, So I'm drawing on that creatively. What
4: what would you do to someone that stole your Adam Sandler CDs?
6: Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, What would I do to them? Force them to listen to
5: them. Yeah. Oh, Oh my God.
6: Yeah, probably something like that.
4: Awesome. Well, of course, our show is made much easier by the support of some very cool people and places, such as Four Pillars, Gin, Eagle Entertainment, the Astor Theatre, the Lunar Drive-In, Umbrella Entertainment... We love the things they do, so we encourage you guys to find their websites, their social media, all that kind of stuff, and give them some love. We have plenty of stuff to talk about, plus we've got the all-important segments from Jarrett Garn from Monster Pictures, who will be telling you what's getting released this week on DVD and Blu-ray, although I don't think there's anything being released this week on DVD and Blu-ray, so we'll have to wait and see what he comes up with. Uh, Guillermo Troncoso will be giving you his update from Screen Realm. Adam Ross from Triple M will run through a movie recommendation that has the theme of Vengeance. I'm not even sure what that is. I haven't listened to that yet either. <laughs> and the Boneheads from Kentucky will what be... Wa- they're, they're live. <laughs> he does them live. <laughs> and the Boneheads from Kentucky will be weighing in a bit later on with their own form of vengeance. So um, that's the intro. On with the show.
3: And what are your reasons for wanting a little brother?
4: Don't say revenge. Don't say revenge. Uh, revenge? All right, gentlemen. Before we uh, lay into today's themes, a few things to cover. Firstly, um... Ben, do you want to tell the fine folk at home about our letterbox account?
5: Oh, <laughs> sure.
4: We've got to, we've got to we've plug this. We've got five followers. Come on.
5: <laughs> we have a letterbox account.
4: If you build it, they will come. They say.
5: Well, that's how it works. Look, <laughs> look. I have a letterbox account myself, and it seems to have do- it's it's doing okay, primarily because of one review that I did, which, funnily enough, was for career opportunities that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And the review—it's a five-star review, and it is—it's the review is simply Jennifer Conley wears a low-cut white singlet while riding an electronic horsey. I forget what the rest of the film is about. <laughs> five stars, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it has like, like five or six hundred likes. Well, now you know how to build it. So we just need to—we just need to chuck a couple of those those style reviews onto the. Uh, <laughs> Onto the, onto and the, the perfect <laughs> review for that film, yeah. I have to say, it's, I'm giving it another like because that is wonderful. And and the purpose of our letterbox. Uh Well, it's it literally every film that we discuss on the show will be listed there on 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 a on a list on Letterboxd. Yeah. So uh, later on, you don't have to when well you're listening to the show, you don't have to furiously scribble down titles or listen to the show repeatedly because who wants to do that? <laughs> you can just jump on the old letterbox and. Uh, you
4: know Bingo bango Yeah That's right <laughs> Excellent And uh, just to bring the, the mood down a little bit Let's talk about some people who passed away last week <laughs> That's one thing we do Matt Right It's, it's the it's the Betty White check in <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay
5: <laughs> We, just, we like to, do like to check in on Betty and make sure that she's doing okay as the last remaining member of the Golden Girls, yeah, right. she's an important piece of uh, pop culture history mm. that we're just waiting to die. <laughs> right,
4: okay. <laughs> well, so far, so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Still kicking. That's good news. Uh, what's not good news, very sad, that Olympia Dukakis passed away. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, and, um, yeah, look, the curse struck again. No, long, no sooner did we finish recording last week's show, before it actually dropped, she passed away. So we sort of missed it last week. Of course, she's the star of movies like... Mighty Aphrodite, Mister Holland's Opus, uh, look who's talking. Still, Magnolia's won the Oscar for Moonstruck. Very sad news; she was eighty nine years old. And original Mouseketeer Johnny Crawford also passed away at the age of seventy five. Who, um, he was also a singer, and a lot of his, uh, a lot of his songs wound up in movies like Hellboy and Thirteenth Floor. And
5: yeah, on, are you saying that Britney Spears wasn't an original mus- uh, <laughs> Mouseketeer? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's like there's generations. Oh, there must be. Like, wow. <laughs> first I've heard of it. <laughs> Oh, wasn't like a net was a net for Nicello <laughs> yeah. and, or Although they were all uh, yes, you were right.
4: Okay. Yeah, so it does go back. But um there's so sad news there. Revenge movies. Here's some movies that have revenge in the title. Revenge of the nerds, revenge of the ninja, revenge of the Pink Panther, Revenge of the Sith, Jaws the Revenge, Porky's Revenge, Sweet Revenge, Revenge of the Green Dragons, White Earp's Revenge, Pinocchio's Revenge. Now there's no reason for me saying that other than you've got your work cut out for you on Letterboxd, mate. <laughs> <laughs> So, Matthew, Son of a bitch. <laughs> the whole reason that we're talking about revenge movies on this episode is because you've got one in the making right now. I do. Let's talk about that. What can you tell us about it?
6: Well, uh, it's called The Cost and it is an independently financed feature film and we're halfway through shooting it at the moment, a little more than halfway. Uh, having a bit of a break while my cast has a, uh, has a bit of time off as they pursue some other projects. We'll come back and finish off soon. Um, but basically it is a movie that uh, explores revenge in a way that, um, I personally haven't seen done before in a movie. I've seen revenge in a thousand films, but this way looks at it in a, I guess in a more realistic way, like what would happen if you could, if the person that you wanted to hurt the most was in front of you and you could do what you wanted with them, what would you do? Would you do it? Would you go through with it? How would it affect you? What would happen to your life if you did that? So I sort of took that kernel of a question, which I've often asked myself and then thought, you know what, that'll make a great premise for a film.
4: And I know you don't want to give too much away about the plot and I'm not going to ask you to, but Mm -hmm. like, are there any comparable films?
6: No, not, not directly comparable, but I suppose there are elements. um, I think Prisoners has a similar theme with how they capture the guy and they want to get information from him and they beat him up and, you know, they're just regular people trying to do something. It's not so much revenge in that film, but rather trying to get important information to keep people alive. But um, that it, it sort of takes that idea and stretches it out over a feature film. Yeah, right. So, it's similar to that, I would say. Cause That's about like, the only one I can compare it
4: to. So, what I've read of it so
6: far, kind of, I'm getting a sort of an Aussie, Coen Brothers-esque kind of vibe. Yeah, there is something completely unintentional, but there is something a bit Cohen Brothers-ish about it. Um, but it's extremely dark. It's certainly the darkest film I've ever written. Um, it's much darker than a lot of, than a lot of people have sort of... you know, When they've read their script, they've come back and said, Oh, my God, is there something wrong with you, Matt? Are you okay? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a lot darker than anything I've written before. Um, but I, I wanted it to sort of punch people right between the eyes when they watch it and go, Wow, okay, yeah. well, that really made me think. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... Um, I suppose it has got um, that Coen Brothers thing where you know regular people start doing something just outside of the law, which is a lot of Coen Brothers films, and yep. things just get worse and worse and worse. But unlike the Coen Brothers, this is there's absolutely nothing funny about it. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, your, your your films up to this point have a distinct historical kind of um, aspect to them. Yes. Has it been comfortable moving away from that? Yeah, it, it doesn't really feel really that different at all. I mean, you know, making a film whether it's period or or not, is, is it's the same, you know, you have all the same problems and you have all the same challenges and, and all that, or you get a whole bunch of new ones you never expected. Um, so for me, it hasn't, I haven't noticed a huge change. Um, actually, I have found that this is actually a harder film to direct than The Legend of Ben Hall was, but I thought it was going to be much easier right. because that one had horses and sets and guns and all this sorts of stuff. But um, for some reason, because this is just basically three people in an extremely tense situation, doing some very different things, um, it's really, a, I don't know, it's just become a really, it's a re- very, very hard thing to direct and stage and get performances out of actors. It's its new territory for me. So, yeah, I'm uh, i am enjoying the challenge, but, man, it is a challenge.
4: Yeah, right. Well, that's exciting to hear. So yeah. do you want to do some name drops on? I'm, I'm sure you can't remember everybody that's in this film, but, like, just some of the key
6: players, just to give them sort of a... Oh and yeah, mention? well, look the uh, the film is um, basically has three lead characters, and that's uh, Jordan Fraser Trumbull and Damon Hunter playing um, the two regular guys who have mm-hmm. decided to take Laura into their own hands. And their victim is an actor I've never worked before, worked with before, called Kevin D. And um, he's yeah, he's turned out to be amazing, such a good actor. Um, and what I've re- what the script requires him to go through has been nothing short of Horrendous, and he knew he knew going into it it was going to be like this. And there had been times on set where he sort of turned and went, uh, "You know, I well, you know, I knew what I was signing up for." So, <laughs> uh, the funny thing is, three other actors I offered that role to, and each of them turned them down. Each of those actors turned the role down after reading the script because they said, "I just don't want to. I just don't want to go through that. I yeah, don't right. want to have to do that <laughs> and be that way for the length of a feature film." I don't yeah, mean. so. Um, I was starting to get a bit worried, but I, I got lucky with him. Um, and, you know, and then the rest of the cast is just a bunch of great actors I've either worked with before or found new ones and, um, you know, and gave them little guest roles throughout. And, of course, uh, Josh Jagger from Twin Rivers, mm-hmm. um, who was played, – he played Jack. Um, I'm finally getting to work with him again in a, uh, in a major supporting role. I haven't shot his scenes yet. He has to come over from South Australia. Yeah, so. right. But uh, looking forward to that. Twin Rivers, a bit of a favourite of mine. Um, Look, I'm going to divert just a
4: little bit here Mm. Um, Your lovely wife is amongst the cast She is indeed Uh, And she's an incredible cook and a writer Do you want to give her a plug?
6: Absolutely, I'd love to give her a plug Um, She, um, along with being a terrific uh, cookbook um, author and writer and food enthusiast and all that um, She's also got a history of acting And it was actually through... Her, um, you know, acting and auditioning for me for a previous thing is that's how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, and when putting this film together, she reads all my scripts and so on. And we were casting, and I said, you know, I've got one more, act- one more actress. I have, I've got to get this one role of this wife character, and I don't know who to get. And she just doing the dishes at the time. I think she just turned to me and said. I'll do it. That'll be great fun. I'm like, of course, of course you should do it. That's fantastic. Um, so, um, yeah. and then you
5: made her audition three times. I did. <laughs> I did.
6: Come on again, honey. Again, honey.
4: Yeah, faster, more intensity. <laughs> Just and like Lucas. I'm, I'm looking. You know, I've I've
6: I've sprung this upon you, but she also has a website. Do you want to plug that? Yes. Uh, she, um, the Vegan Italian Kitchen. Um, that's her website, and she's actually on top of acting for me. In this uh, in this film she's also been pro- doing all the catering for the movie well that's good so, when the, when you
4: when your wife is a cookbook so, writer
6: yeah she's she's been providing my hard-working crew of a dozen people uh, with these amazing meals and keeping my cast and my crew very happy with their amazing cooking so she's uh, she's a busy gal supporting the producer awesome. supporting her director producer husband and doing a great job
5: cool Ben anything you want to add I do uh, w- I do want to ask what is the The sideburn situation in the new film. (laughs) Legend of Ed Hall had some pretty magnificent sideburns. Like and it is a fine line. People don't realize what a fine line it is for sideburns to mutton chops. Like you can go too far and next thing you know, you're Graham Garden from the goodies.
6: Yes. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) And, we were skating. Too far. (laughs) We were skating on that edge, weren't we? On the Graham on the Graham footy's <laughs> edge uh, no look that is one good thing about this is there's no sideburns no, so. I don't have any I don't have to glue glue or digitally add oh any God. sideburns <laughs> to this one which is magnificent no icky
4: thump no <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, that's cool. Well, we we personally can't wait to see the cost and um, we're going to keep our listeners on top of that as it progresses and we know more about it. Cool. Um, so, without further ado, we are going to move on. So, we'll um, give that another plug before we finish. But um, are you interested in what's got the best Dolby Atmos? Jared is. <laughs> I, I
5: love Dolby Atmos. You?
2: Hey, this is Jarrett, and welcome to PE Class. Now... There's actually nothing worth talking about hitting home entertainment this week unless you like animated DC films, which I'm not going to bother even talking about. Rather, I'll tell you some news about some upcoming releases. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the fact that Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment would be releasing Nobody on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD locally on June 16. Well, now I can tell you about the special features that are going to be on this release. So on the Blu-ray and DVD, you're gonna have an audio commentary track with the director as well as actor-producer Bob Odenkirk, three featurettes and some deleted scenes. And the 4K Ultra HD has, you guessed it, a Dolby Atmos track, very excited about that one. Then some other local news is the fact that Umbrella Entertainment and Monster Pictures are joining forces to release Occupation Rainfall on Blu-ray and DVD. Now the Blu-ray is going to be a deluxe release in that it's got a ton of special features in fact you've got two audio commentary tracks eight deleted scenes three featurettes one of which this guy produced tv spots trailers and more it is fully loaded so if you liked occupation rainfall then this is the definitive release of the movie to get and it's coming out locally on june 16th same day as nobody so if you have to choose one or the other please choose occupation rainfall as ben helwig and i would like to keep working then i'm gonna give you some international news. Arrow Video last week announced True Romance on 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray. That's right, it's coming out in a deluxe edition on both formats. And it's had a 4K restoration on both the theatrical and director's cuts of the movie. It's gonna port all the legacy special features from the previous Warner releases that were available in the UK and the US. Plus, it's got five new interview featurettes and a 60-page bound book with an oral history and a bunch of new essays a double-sided poster, and then six double-sided postcard-sized lobby card reproductions. This is an amazing addition with some pretty killer artwork, and that's shelving on July 19th in the UK, and you can order that now wherever you order UK stuff from. Typically, I order it from Xavi, or you can wait until it pops up on amazon.com.au to order from the UK. The fact it's a del- like, you know, a deluxe release, You know, I don't want to take the risk of it selling out before it makes its way over. So Zabby's probably your best option. God help us. I hope they pack it properly. Anyway, that's it from me for this week. Until
4: next time, stay physical. Thank you to Jarrett for that. Much like Ben here, Jarrett is one of the familiar faces at Monster Pictures and Monster Fest. So do hit up Monster Fest's Facebook page to keep up to date with this year's dates and announcements. Monster Fest is on in November. So follow their social medias for all the dates that are relevant to you. All right Ben it's uh and Matthew let's talk about revenge movies uh there's mm. no shortage of them to choose from like vengeance revenge like you know whatever we'll yeah. just go with it. Yeah. Uh I'll go first just to sort of um give Matthew an idea of what we do here. Uh this one was unexpectedly good. I was not anticipating this one to be as good as it was from 2017 it's The Foreigner starring Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan. Oh yeah
5: I have seen this one. Not seen that
4: one. It is fantastic. It's set in London. Chan plays a like a mild-mannered um Father, the old trope of the father who's got special ops sort of background you know, skills. Yeah. <laughs> his wife but is killed. By in... <laughs>
5: day, I sell fruit on a fruit stand. <laughs> by night, I assassinate foreign diplomats. And mm-hmm. his, his
4: daughter's killed in a terrorist attack in London, and he just embarks on a, a brutal crusade of revenge. And uh, it's you know we're, nobody's a recent example of that kind of movie, you know. Yeah. Um, but this one, what I liked about it is that the terrorist organisation is the new IRA. Yeah. which you you don't see the new IRA in many movies so like you know i mean it's bad that we've got the new IRA out there but you know for you know movies it's a good
5: thing Yeah, but like they, <laughs> they seem to have like a head office <laughs> yeah. like in the film they, they literally like where are they where do you reckon the uh, the, the headquarters of the IRA at? oh that's right they're uh, number you know number 11 downing like they're, just, <laughs> yeah. they're you know
4: but it, it's very much like a um a modern day rambo kind of movie because it does sort of hit oh, the yeah. wilderness sort of you know to, to do that kind of stuff. But Martin Campbell directed this one, and he's the guy Martin behind... Martin Campbell. Yeah, well, I was about to say one of your favourite films is Escape from Absalom. Yeah. yeah. yeah so there's that connection. He made GoldenEye, Casino Royale, Warrior's Edge of Darkness. So yeah, he's got some great films. Definitely. So that's my first recommendation. It was much better than I had ever anticipated it. Matthew, you're up next. What's your pick?
6: Oh, cool. Okay, look, um, I'm going to go with uh, a film I had mentioned before is Prisoners. Yes. I, uh, I think that's a... Uh, yeah, I saw that in the cinema and was really, really blown away and uh, affected by it. Like it really gets into your head and, you know, and pushes the comfortability and um, makes all the characters very grey, and I love movies that make characters very grey.
4: I can never pronounce
6: old boy's art uh, name. The director, Dennis. D- D-
4: Denis Villeneuve, or something. Yeah. There you go. I'll give it a crack. <laughs> the guy behind the new Blade Runner and you know the new Dune that's coming out. Um, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, have you seen Prisoners with um, no. Hugh Jackman? Yeah, it's... Wonderful,
6: wonderfully atmospheric, and um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Hugh Jackman gives a really, really. Powerful performance it's very and um yeah, it's just so raw and 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 dangerous. It's brutal it's, it's really it's very brutal yeah it's, and, it's, it's um, violent as you know and what's great about it is even though it is really really brutal it's a film that um you know i'm not particularly into hard violence in movies mm. it's just for the sake of it, and neither is my wife, but we have both watched that so many times because I think the emotion of it and the
4: well, the character has reason, like Absolutely. you know whether whether it's excusable or not. Like he's got reason. so you can Absolutely. go with it. and you,
6: yeah, but because it does cross those lines, you're kind of like, "Wow, would I do? Uh, maybe I would do this." And yeah, that's why I love it. I think it's great.
4: Awesome pick. Um, that was one I had on my sort of you know backlist of ones I might bring into the show. So I'm glad you definitely did. Cool. Um, and it's a long film, but it goes far. Like I think it's about
5: two and a half hours mm-hmm. long, but it just
4: powers through. Oh, like love a, it. yeah, yeah. steamers. No, I wouldn't wouldn't cut a frame out of it.
5: How many times does Hugh break out in song? In <laughs> <laughs> well, he yes, has <laughs> is, is it like you know, Escape That's from New York, where they part uh, of his torture, isn't it? You singing? The, yeah. <laughs> uh, what is about it, the, you know, the prison drama society thing? Like they get on laundry duty for a day and they dress up as women, and put on a show for the other <laughs> for the other blokes. Is that not a? <laughs> <Yeah.
4: is it? laughs> I know for where all, you're going. <laughs> all the prison
5: movies I've seen. <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right, your turn.
5: Uh, okay, well, I did say on the internet that I wasn't going to talk about this, but <laughs> I will talk about it. Of course you are. Because it, it is, in my opinion, the apex revenge film, and that is 1971's Get Carter.
4: Yep, which we have used on the banner for this episode. For this episode, right.
5: yes. And I, I I secretly hope that you're going to use the uh, theme song to play us out, but I, I I didn't ask early enough, so probably not. Probably not. I just figured maybe like it would just be like uh, you know telepathy that you would just go oh yes hang on
4: hang on what's that
5: <laughs> what's that <laughs> sorry i just moved your cap. <laughs> no, well, I bent your spoons i
4: haven't i haven't checked for the license in you know uh, yeah. for that one yet but if we can get license in for that
5: you will have just heard it's it it's just music so there's no uh, yeah well, there's no uh, no, there's no singing in it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Right. No, they, I thought that's how they picked it up. They no. get it through the singing. Nope. If you've got a cover, the mm-hmm. music is the same.
4: Yeah, no, covers are different when it comes to... We can get into that off the mic. All right. yeah. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it's much more interesting than talking about Get Carter. That's why
4: I use alternative versions of songs. Yeah, right. Yeah.
5: Yeah, okay. I thought I thought it was because it was the, the singing. Get the Carter. Get <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Michael Caine right? Yeah Or Michael Sylvester Caine. Stallone
4: Whichever way you yeah, want to take yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no,
6: I, I think everyone wants to forget About <laughs> the Sylvester Stallone
5: yeah, yeah That was a bit of a misfire that, uh, <laughs> that remake Although funnily enough At the video store I used to work at The owners had never seen Michael Caine version Oh no And so they watched The Sylvester Stallone version First and then later We got it on DVD When it came out locally And they were like oh, I think I like the Sylvester Stallone version Wow okay. Better And I was like, This is not Yeah mm. Mm. Same mm-hmm. people that
4: love The Italian Job yeah. Remake more <laughs> the remake. than the original <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh <laughs> How could
5: that possibly be
4: I must admit The music from the original um, Italian Job Drives me insane That'll never be on this show
6: <laughs> Oh the the one that goes out with
4: Yeah <laughs> Oh not Just the chase music I hate it
5: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what would you like to say? Um, this so, one. Well, uh, so it's based on a, a Ted Lewis novel uh, called uh, "Welcome Home, Jack," mm-hmm. and it's like follows a guy he's a hard man for the London mob who returns home to Newcastle for his brother's funeral, and uh, but he's not satisfied with the official cause of death, so he uses his nouse and his fists <laughs> to uh, find out what really happened. Uh, it's a super bleak. Kind of really is British crime film, and it was pr- like pretty early in that kind of bleak British crime genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I think was like there was a relaxing of the um, censorship at the time, so they were able to kind of do this kind of stuff. And funny enough, this was made. It was made financed by MGM, who were just who literally like two months after they had greenlit this film, moved out of the UK and closed down all their UK uh, operations. But they snuck this one in. Uh, under the wire, and uh, little did I know, like this movie was—it was released in 1971. It did well in the UK, but MGM, rather than promote it in the US, they just sent it to drive-ins, and they spent all their money remaking it, or they based made another movie based off the novel. Called Hitman with Bernie Casey as a black, black exploitation film, which oh, I'm wow. dying to see now. Yeah, definitely. I'd never heard of that. Uh, yeah, no, I no, didn't no. know until uh, <laughs> you know until I read the Wikipedia page uh, earlier <laughs> this afternoon. The home of all of all well researched uh, <laughs> film reviews.
4: And um, Michael Caine's essentially made this film three times now because Harry Brown is almost the same. And yeah, yeah. and I really then like and he, another good one he did was called Bruiser. Do you remember that? We played, he was like a boxing promoter and his, his son was a boxer that got murdered in the ring. So he goes on the same kind of trajectory of revenge. Right. No, yeah. I haven't
5: seen Bruiser. I, I remember the cover. I remember the... Actually,
4: is it Bruiser? No, Shiner. Shiner. Bruiser's okay. a George Romero yeah, film. Yeah, Shiner. Like, <laughs> a cover. Yeah. Shiner. No, yeah. No, right. that's really good.
5: That's, it's not a piano player who doesn't wear pants. <laughs> <laughs> Every time that word comes up, I'm going to make that gag.
4: <laughs> and we appreciate you so for it Jeffrey
5: Rush balls that <laughs> anyone should have to take in a film so... how, how did <laughs> you get to that it's, uh, the movie's called Shine <laughs> it doesn't take much <laughs> it's a, a, a long drawn bow <laughs> now that this is a thing
4: I will keep that in, in mind, mind.
5: I've only got like five gags in my repertoire and that's number four.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, thank you, gents. Nicely done. Um, We have more to come, but right now it's Guillermo's turn to uh, geek out and then a quick tune from one of our, from one of the most notorious revenge films of all time.
5: Is it Roy Budd, the theme song from uh, Get (laughs) Garden? Well, let's see if they can pick it.
3: What's happening everybody? It's me here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. Let's cover some of the news from the past week, kicking off with... The next film from Gareth Edwards, director of 2014's Godzilla and 2016's Rogue One. The film is titled True Love and is set to star John David Washington, known for Black Klansman and Tenet. Gareth Edwards also wrote the screenplay for the film, which has been described as a near-future sci-fi story. <laughs> And that's pretty much all that's known about the plot as of right now, so stay tuned as true love comes together. Aussie star Ben Mendelsohn will be starring alongside Daisy Ridley in a psychological thriller titled The Marsh King's Daughter to be directed by Neil Berger, known for The Illusionist, Limitless, The Upside and this year's sci-fi film Voyages. The film is to be an adaptation of the novel of the same name by Karen Dion. The script comes from L. Smith and Mark L. Smith, known for The Revenant. The plot follows a girl named Helena, whose father has kept both her and her mother captive in the wilderness for years. Daisy Ridley will play Helena, and her father will be played by Mendelssohn, the infamous Marsh King who unexpectedly returns and she's forced to face her demons. The next film from directors Henry Juice and Ariel Schulman, the duo behind films such as Catfish, Project Power and Nerve, will be starring Owen Wilson. The film has been titled Secret Headquarters and is to be a superhero film based on an original screenplay by Thor Ragnarok, Max Steel and Masters of the Universe screenwriter Christopher Yost. The plot follows a young boy who discovers a secret facility that's sheltering one of the world's most powerful superheroes. The facility happens to be resting beneath his home. When villains come to attack, he and his friends must gear up to defend the hero's headquarters. We had two reviews go up in the past week. The first one's from Glenn, it's for an Aussie film titled June Again, which is now in Aussie cinemas. It stars Noni Hazelhurst, Claudia Cavan Stephen Curry, and is directed by J.J. Willove. It's a drama-comedy-dramedy telling of June Wilton, an older mother who has to bring together her estranged children, save the family business, and all an old flame, all during a fleeting bout of lucidity from her dementia. Glenn quite enjoyed the film, saying it is a crowd-pleaser, it is deep without being depressing and it is funny without being silly. He says it's well-written, well-directed and well-acted and while it probably won't win any awards, if any, it will certainly win the hearts of most who see it. Three and a half stars out of five stars, go to screen and read that whole review June again. The next one was reviewed by Adam Fleet, and it's for Fried Barry, a crazy little horror comedy that's now showing on horror streaming service Shudder. The film tells of a drug addled, abusive homeless man who is abducted by aliens and he takes a backseat as an alien visitor, assumes control of his body and takes it for a joyride through Cape Town. An onslaught of drugs, sex and violence ensues as this uh, alien has a good time. Adam Fleet wasn't overly impressed, but did like the film for what it was. He said in his review, Fried Barry teeters on the brink of feeling contrived as if its goal was to be a wacky cult oddity. And it does feel somewhat overlong. You might puzzle over whether or not you're actually enjoying Fried Barry, but it's also pretty unique in its concept and is thoroughly committed to it. More importantly, Fried Barry remains visually and sonically interesting throughout, so it'll definitely appeal to fans of weirdo movies and those who can appreciate ugly oddball and weird cinema. Three out of five stars for that. That about does it for me guys. Thanks so much for having me. Go to ScreenRealm.com, check out all our latest movie reviews, trailers, movie news, TV news. We've got all your latest streaming schedules as well. Thanks so much guys. I'm out of here.
4: That was a a fun and frivolous piece of music which comes from one of the most notorious revenge films of all time. Get Carter. (laughs) The Last House on the Left. Oh, okay. Uh, A film from 1972 which launched the careers of Wes Craven and Sean S. Cunningham who individually created two of the biggest horror franchises of all time, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. I
5: used to have a customer at Alternate Worlds who would come in once a month or so and he would constantly rail about censorship. But his big thing was... That all, and later I found out that this was like totally his thing, and he was like a notorious uh, for this fetish. But around Melbourne uh, porn stores, but he would complain about all of the pissing scenes that had been cut out of mainstream feature films, and he would like detail the the amount of minutes, and he'd be like, "Last house on the left, there's a there's a thirty second pissing, like a girl gets scared and wets herself, they cut that out," <laughs> like, and he would just. And you'd be stuck behind the counter. You couldn't go anywhere. And he would you know, barrage you with this information. Wow. Soldier Blue, three minutes. As a- we
4: discussed last week, there is no Major League without a pissing scene. That's right. You know. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
4: before that piece of music, you heard from Guillermo from Screen Realm. Uh, huge thanks to him. Um, he carries a lot of the load on this show because he, he sort of does more movie news than we do. So good on him for that. Visit Screenround dot com and follow their social media. Um, and now, guys, it's on to another revenge flick. Each Matthew, you can take the lead on this one.
6: Ooh, okay. Um, look, I'm going to go with uh, John Wick. Oh, easy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, highly entertaining, um, wonderfully done, and all over a little, over a dog. <laughs> I know, so and we all love dogs, and I think maybe that's why the audience can go with the the idea that this guy can just, you know, commit. I don't know how many homicides over a dog. <laughs> a couple of thousand. But um, we all go with it and we all, we're all we all on his side. And w- which actually is one of the reasons I picked that is because I find revenge. For some reason, when we think of revenge in a movie and we watch a character go and do all these terrible things, we're still on their side yep. because for some reason, and yet we're going, you know, I know this isn't. Really, the right thing to do, and maybe this is going a bit far, but for some reason, I'm totally rooting for you. Um, and that, and I guess that it's that psychology of, um, with people, um, that if it's for revenge and, and you know, and if your reason is good enough, I'll go along with this, yeah. And that's kind of the kernel that I've tried to extrapolate out with with the costs and go, okay, would you, yeah, okay, so yeah. The clever
4: thing about using the dog as his sort of (laughs) his reason for revenge (laughs) is that one, we can. Relate to it, but also it's so preposterous that you know you have that whole. This
5: movie's just dumb. At the same time, yes, which allows you to get right into it. But how good would it be if somebody like taking your idea, somebody made a film where like just this housewife runs over this guy's dog, and so then he decides to get his revenge and just starts (laughs) blowing people away like in a suburban street, and just like and then cops (laughs) come and he blows them away, so they're all like because in John Wick it's all like. Innocent henchmen. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> they're right. They're the ones who get killed. Like they—they didn't kill his dog. They're no, just, no. They're just dudes who pay. They like paid bodyguards. Like that's right. <laughs> but they all get blown away. Like what if it was like a, like the opening—is it not the opening scene, but one of the kind of opening scenes of Invasion USA, where they go to the <laughs> the suburban street in Christmas time and people are putting all their decorations up, and the guy just turns up with the bazooka and just starts blowing them all away. Horrifying kind I reckon of been in the, in the mall. I reckon <laughs> you've <laughs> been, been like...
4: It's been a year you've been looking to reference uh, Invasion USA into a show. Oh, i got
5: try and... <laughs> Try and get it in wherever I can. It doesn't come up as much as I'd like, though. <laughs> well, maybe I can help
4: you with that moving forward too. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it was much. It was much more. It was easier to do during a uh, Trump presidency. <laughs>
4: you're uh, really tailoring this show for yourself in the future, aren't you? Yeah. Like you're just yeah into the Ben show, and I will. <laughs> I will accommodate my friend. I will accommodate. <laughs>
5: uh,
4: all right, Ben. What's what's up for you next?
5: Uh, okay. Well, I want to talk about oddly enough. Uh, a great revenge film. It is Walking Tall. <laughs> the original. <laughs> but not, not the 1973 version. Oh, you talk about, remake. Talk about the remake. T- the 2004 version. You
4: accidentally said turd, then I think that was quite relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I love
5: it. Uh, so it is, Yeah, it is, it is a remake of the 1973 uh, film, which was based on the real life exploits of a small country sheriff called Buford T. Pusser. Uh, who uh, dispensed justice with the aid of a two-by-four. Oh, wow. Uh, And this one, Walking Tall, follows a returning vet, uh, played by The Rock, uh, who returns home to find that uh, home ain't what it used to be. And the old mill has been closed down, and unemployment and drug use is rampant, and a casino has replaced uh, the mill as the uh, local kind of hive of scum and villainy. And... uh, one And yet it doesn't stop him from going to the casino and having a good time, but when he spots one of the uh, dealers uh, cheating somehow, I can't remember exactly how he does it, his palming cards or holding <laughs> pushing a little button under the roulette wheel, whatever kind of movie trope they use to show cheating in, in casinos, he spots it, and then uh, when he tries to complain, all the security guards jump him and tear him a new one. So uh, once he gets out of hospital, he returns with a... Two by four and dispenses <laughs> some good old-fashioned revenge. He does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it, I think it's, I saw
4: it at the cinemas when it got released. I did, in, I did as well.
5: <laughs> it is a, like. I mean, look, on subsequent rewatches, it is... And then, of course, then he when he goes to court... Because he, he, he does complain to the sheriff that he's been beaten. Yeah. And the sheriff is you know, on the payroll of the casino, so he does nothing. Yeah. So when he dispenses his justice and they take him away for his trial... He basically says, "Well, these guys are scumbags, and uh, I'm going to. If you uh, vote me innocent, I'm going to. If you declare me innocent, I'm going to run for sheriff and clean up this town, which they do, and he does. <laughs> uh, in classic American, like you know, <laughs> legal justice. <laughs> <laughs> is it worth? Is it
4: worth noting that there are two sequels to this one?
5: There are. <laughs> there are two sequels. Uh, I don't know. Is there two? I know. I know. There's definitely there those, are the Kevin. What's his name Hercules is, is yeah. uh, in one of them. I didn't know there was a third, yeah. And there is a made for TV movie as well, based on this. The thing that's I find most weird about this is in the original, he is a, Joe Don Baker's the star of the original, and in it, he's returned home to kind of start working on his father's logging business. Uh, from being because his wife has demanded that he quit his job as a professional wrestler, and then in the remake they actually get the rock who is a retired <laughs> professional wrestler they go nah no one's gonna believe that bullshit storyline you're gonna cut that right out of the film <laughs> amazing but um, what I love about this film mainly is the cast yeah so you got the rock you got Neil McDonough who's the bad guy who is perfect as he's perfect as a hero he's perfect as a bad guy I really love him he's in movies like ravenous and he's in um, Timeline. I think he's the bad guy in Timeline. It's enough titles we've got. Like a okay. letter, letterbox to <laughs> count here. Okay, but he's in a bunch. He's a, a bunch of other stuff. Johnny Knoxville uh, plays the sidekick. Michael Bowen, who's the sheriff in this film, is better known as Buck, who likes to fuck from Kill Bill, and he's also the asshole boyfriend from Valley Girl. Uh, he he uh, uh, pops up, and the one of my favorite actors, this guy Kevin Durand, who is like one of the oh, main yeah. bouncers. Hmm. He's in things like, he's like just this giant dude. He's in
6: Robin Hood and, and yeah. he's in one of the X-Men films in a big fat suit. He's, yeah, he's
5: the blob. Yeah, he's the yeah. blob in, uh, in, I think, Three Wolverine. Yeah, he's in 310 to Yuma. He's in, uh, I'm thinking about writing all this stuff down. He's in <laughs> Mystery Alaska. He's in Wild Hogs. He's in uh, Big Mama's House 2. Hold your the horses, finest, man. Uh, <laughs> of, the big Bad, of the Big Mama uh, franchise. Uh, he's in Real Steel that you talked about last week. Who's
4: the one here that's got to compile these first? Yeah. Yeah, me. <laughs> yeah,
5: you write the map by hand. I just sit there on my phone at four o'clock in the morning, going, yeah. It's <laughs> and if I miss one, the only person who's going to really know is you. Yeah, that's
4: true.
5: <laughs> I don't even look. Okay, I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm just going to put the four films that I talked about. <laughs> it's what we should do. Yeah.
4: <laughs> cool. Well, Walking Tall, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a fan of that one. It's pretty hokey, but.
5: I mean, look, yeah, like on the rewatch, there like there's, you know, I, I, like I watch this movie seemingly every six months, and there is like, a, you know, there are little bits and pieces that are you're like, well, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit cheap, that's a bit shit.
4: I forgot Johnny Knoxville was in it.
5: Yeah, well, it's, it's totally, totally forgettable. Like yeah. he's the comedy relief sidekick, yeah, who doesn't get to do that much kind of comedy relieving or sidekicking. <laughs> uh, but uh, Ashley Scott is in it. She's the love interest who's wow. slash stripper slash might be, love interest. Might be time good. for a revisit, I
4: think. Uh, is good. All right. Well, I'm going to go to 2014 for my next one. Uh, directed by Joe Lynch, who also made Kings of Badassdom and Wrong Turn 2. It's a highly stylized thriller called Everly starring Selma Hayek.
6: Have you guys oh, seen this one? Yeah. I oh. have not seen it, but I'm, I'm really, I know the one you are talking about.
5: It is amazing. I went to see it at Fantastic Fest. Yeah. Right. And you fell I asleep. Had, no. <laughs> no. My story is even worse than that. <laughs> I had a ticket, and uh, when I got into the cinema, there was no seats for said purchase ticket because the Soska sisters, who were notorious for just going into cinemas they didn't have tickets for and watching <laughs> films, had taken my seat. So I sat on the in the aisle for the first 20 minutes, and I went, oh, this movie's a bit shit, and I walked out.
4: Well, I mean, and... I, I presume it was years later that you were chaperoning the Soska sisters around Melbourne. No, this, is, this was years after. Oh, this so was, you couldn't even plot your revenge on them for that?
5: Well, but yeah, that was. I mean, that, admittedly, I think that was the last time I've seen them. Okay. That fantastic fest. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's a sad story. But, uh, <laughs> they were supposed to come out for Monster Fest a couple of years ago and
4: hiked. Oh, I... oh well. Wow.
5: Due to other commitments, because of another. It's actually because of another film fest. <laughs> <laughs> Radio. Uh, uh, it makes sense. I mean, they're bigger than they're you know. They're probably paying the money and giving them like putting them up somewhere and you know all this kind of stuff. But we, we we didn't do any
4: of that. No, ha- having somewhere to stay helps.
5: Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get that at Monster. Fair, <laughs> <no>. Well. <laughs> Back no, to yeah, Everly. You, you do get something. The see.
4: entire film it takes place in one apartment complex and Salma Hayek plays a sex slave to a like a triad boss. And when he finds out she's been working with cops to sort of you know bring him down, he then sets upon his like horde of henchmen to to take her out. But then he pays all of the other sex slaves living in the building to go after her too. So it's just her in a an apartment with just, like, shoot them shoot up. You know that movie oh, yeah. where the hitmen are just coming and coming and coming? It's like that, but it's like really... boxy foxy boxing style. It's really stylized. <laughs> the most amazing thing about it, as far as I'm concerned, the, the camera tricks. And there's one particular trick where she's living, like, say, 12th story up. Camera goes out the window, down to the footpath, into the lobby, up the elevator, and then back into the room, all in one take. It's just such an incredible wow. piece of cinema. Just that, For that alone, it's worth it, but highly, highly, you know, stylized violence like Kill Bill, The Raid, think of those sort of movies and, yeah, you'll get a kick out of it. So don't really have much to add to it other than it's one that you should w- look out for because no one's really heard of it. You two are probably the only yeah. ones I've ever mentioned yeah. it to that know.
6: You know. Funny, I was talking to a guy who is, um, I think, a distributor of that film in America because he distributed Ben Hall and he was saying that um, apparently she jumped to be on that film yeah, and did it for not a lot of money, mm. Because she was finding that um, at that particular time she was not getting a lot of offers in Hollywood, yeah, and she wanted to, you know, because of her age and so on, and of course you know the young all the younguns are coming up and all that, and she wanted to do something in the action genre, and she got the script and jumped on it real fast and did it for very little, just so she could get out there and show what she could do.
4: Yeah, a bit, it plays very strongly into the type of film she had done, like you know, Your Desperado and yep. you know and, and uh, stuff like that. yes. <laughs> <Trusting> mm-hmm. <you. laughs> Man, I haven't, what, I
5: haven't heard of that movie for a long right. time. I just wanted to put that in a list on letters. Does that have something to, to do with
4: um, what's his name, the French director, Luc Besson? Is he behind that?
5: Oh Jesus! Don't tell that. I have to. We'll have to watch it. Yeah,
4: I reckon he might be behind that. Jeez. Could be wrong. Someone will fact check us. <laughs> Anyway, uh, time for the Bonehead Weekly, guys. Uh, They've got a few revenge flicks to talk about. Uh, So let's see what they've got lined up. Then we're going to hear from Adam with his recommendation. uh, And then we'll be bringing it home with one more recommendation each. And then some parting words.
7: It's all about him shooting Orgy of the Dead. You're recording.
4: Orgy of the Dead. Yeah, I know. I'm
1: recording. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. We're... Glenn
8: asked us to do revenge films. Or vengeance films. Or vengeance. So you can I get revenge. revenge. You can get revenge or you can get vengeance. Can you get revenge? I don't know. Is that a word? You're the PhD. No, I don't think it is, but we need to make the film Revengeance. And it's about a guy that somebody, somebody got vengeance on him, but he's going to turn it back on him. So it's revengeance. It'll be the sequel to Reminiscence. All
7: right. I'm going to go uh, with an a fairly obscure one that's, Kind of uh, went unnoticed in 2012. Sushi Girl. I love I Sushi it. Girl. I noticed it. I saw it as well. I love Sushi Girl too. I especially love Courtney Palm. Uh, Sushi Girl uh, is not the a, like. It actually doesn't start off as an avenge an avengeance film. Uh, that comes in the twist, but it's all about these these uh, criminals. One gets out of prison, and his and his compatriots get him in a warehouse and proceed to torture him for information that's the whole movie highly recommend checking out it has mark hamill it has tony todd again the aforementioned palm and i could go on and on and on if you haven't seen sushi girl check it out it is a great vengeance flick it is also good and
1: i also like sushi i could narrow mine down to one guys i'm sorry i'm going to do this one but there was two and they're both made by our memento and prisoners yep memento (laughs) is christopher Nolan. The least I tell you about about Memento, if you've never bothered to w- watch it, the better off you are. You yeah. don't need to know anything. And yeah. I have to say the same thing about Prisoners. The least I tell you about Prisoners, Denny Villanueva, the better off you are. Go enjoy them if you've never saw them. They're superb films.
8: I am going to... So- Chad had one, Joe had two, I'm gonna have three. And I'm just gonna go of through really it. quickly. Of course he is. You know why? Because he's let an asshole. Get, let me I get my second.
7: I didn't even I, get to mention
8: Dark Man. Go ahead. Would, well, that's a good one. I'd say. I have you seen Dark done. Man, Chad? That's a good film. That's a good picture. <laughs> hey, Wrath of Khan. Hey, it's right there. Wrath of right Con. There. Task me? Yeah, it's, and above it is. Ra- or Wrath of God's a good
1: one, bud. Mandy. I knew
7: he was going to do it. but hold on wrath of khan isn't about vengeance it's about wrath
8: you know it was going to be be the revenge of khan and then they said let's just screw it up for chad and (laughs) i've got to mention actually one that doesn't get as much they were
1: they were trying to compete with the revenge of the jedi
8: based on on the classic novel the county count of monte Cristo. If you've never seen the film adaptation the most recent one i believe um are you you talking about die hard with the vengeance is
1: that guy pierce in that too
8: Yes. Yeah, yes. Guy
1: Pierce, he likes to get vengeance.
8: But if you've never seen the count of Monte Cristo, it's it's well done. You should yeah. check it out. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Maybe I mean I don't have to give you the plot details of these. It's vengeance. That's what all those films are about. And Chad's don't somebody, watch they don't done watch. somebody wrong.
1: Don't watch any of that shit. Just go watch Dark Man Sam Raimi. This has been yep.
8: Bonehead Weekly, fun size. You know, you just besmirched. We we finally got uh, behind the. Uh, uh, screw it. Agreed, we got five worry. minutes,
5: James. Pause. <laughs>
0: Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Scene with another Good Movie Monday recommendation. This week, we're doing revenge movies. Now, the revenge movie that I've landed on is Tony Scott's 2004 thriller, Man on Fire. Now, this film has got the distinction of A, having a very rotten 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I remember that when the Empire review of this came out, it was scathing. Now, at the time, I was obsessed with Empire. I'd read the entire magazine in coals and annoy the staff, and so I didn't have high hopes for this movie, but anyone that listens to this Podcast, I imagine. He's a Tony Scott fan. Obviously, you know, Top Gun, true romance the rest, uh, and there's something about Man on Fire that is just you know, unrelentingly grim and nasty that I really like. So I've always liked movies that scar and movies that are willing to play nasty. The thing about Man on Fire that I think is really good, especially every time that I've revisited it, is is just how patient this movie is. Now visually, the dichotomy between this over-caffeinated style that Scott does, it basically looks like someone having a seizure, and then his pacing in this movie isn't for everyone, and I get that, but the bond here between Creasy played in incredibly grizzled fashion by Denzel Washington and his ward played by Dakota Fanning Peter here it builds you know and we slowly attach these two characters to each other and that when they are ripped apart we want Creasy to go apeshit now this has got some cameos by some of my all-time favorite actors Nicky Rock Christopher Walken uh with his immortal line where he says he goes Creasy's art is death (laughs) so I uh Every time that I watch this movie, I get G'd up, and I get really, really G'd up because it's got one of the best uses of Nine Inch Nails ever in a movie because Nine Inch Nails is basically my favorite recording artist. So if you wanna watch a slow burn revenge movie where someone gets really tooled up to Nine Inch Nails and then releases Hell, then check out Man on Fire. And if you didn't like it upon initial release, maybe go back and revisit it. I mean, I think that this movie is stacked with some great craft and is definitely worth revisit so man on fire check it out asap
4: adam ross there thank you to him for that adam is the chairman of the australian film critics association and you can hear him on triple mh week as well as ticker tv and find him on social media his page is adam's just seen so now guys it's our final round of revenge films and ben it's your turn to step up <laughs> Okay. step <laughs> up step in up.
5: all in all regards <laughs> It is the, I am talking about Step Up. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Step Up 3, which is all about revenge. No. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if it was? I haven't seen any of them. but I think there's, you know,
4: what, six of those? We've talked about that before? A, there's
5: probably, yeah. And yeah. then there's, uh, there's the, what's the other one? The Beatdown or whatever it is. Like There's a whole bunch of them. Like dance fight movies? Choreographed movies. I'm sure revenge would have to come into play in one of them.
4: By the time <laughs> you get to part six, it has to. Like
5: it would have, like what else are they going to do? Like there's only so many street dance competitions you can go to before the story becomes clapped out.
4: This letterbox is going to be a really interesting uh, yeah, collection yet. of titles, I can tell you, because we've gone from, you know, get Carter to step yeah. up.
5: Like I hope that people who have n- never listened to the show <laughs> Find it? will look at that letterbox list and go, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I'm going to talk about a movie that I hadn't seen before. Uh, watching it uh, yesterday, last night, is the "Ice Spit on Your Grave" remake from mm-hmm. 2010. Yes, like I think I had seen a clip from part three before, or mm-hmm. well, maybe it's actually maybe it was it turns out to be this. Unless there are two similar scenes of revenge, where she... <laughs> <laughs> but basically, so if you have never never heard of "Ice Spit on Your Grave," it's a it's it is the kind of most basic of all rape revenge films sure is it's, it's imagine it's a 90 minute film the literally the first 45 minutes is horrifyingly brutal pack rape of this poor girl yep uh, and then the last 45 minutes is horrifyingly brutal revenge that she has on all of the people that sounds that, like that the nightingale <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a Fortunately, there's a lot more rape in this than not. Unfortunately, what, <laughs> <laughs> what I meant by that, there's a there is a lot of rape in this, and it is it is pretty kind of brutal stuff. And
4: the original was very brutal for its time. It's similar to Last House yeah. on the Left. It's basically the same premise, yeah,
5: and it's it is similar. Like I do kind of liken it to American Werewolf in London. In that, when American Werewolf in London, when I first saw American Werewolf in London, I'd already seen. Like hundreds of werewolf movies, yeah. And so when you watch American Werewolf in London, and the fact that he transforms into the werewolf is the big thing, mm. and then it, then that's the kind of the end of the movie. And you are like, hang on a second, when does he when does he fight crime? <laughs> like what? Mm. <laughs> you you're kind of like because you know you've already seen all of the subsequent movies that have referenced it and gone f- and yep. then gone further. Yeah. And it's the same with I spit on your grave. Like there is zero. There is no subtext. There is no subplots. Yeah. It is. of one thing, 50% of the other, and it is horrifying to watch. And the remake doesn't try to mess with that formula at all. Mm. It is incredibly um, uh, brutal.
4: I enjoyed the the remake, like, you know, for lack of better word. For lack of better word. (laughs) 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 Like, I
5: did, like, the revenge is better. Yeah, That's what kind of holds it up. Like, the, the, the stuff she does to the guys, and there was only one really kind of bad bit of, cgi in it when one of the guys gets his eyes picked out by a, by a raven or a crow mm. and you like okay, fair enough i mean that you can't really that'd be pretty difficult to do with practical effects but the rest of it like there is a great <laughs> there's a great part where she uh, shoves a shotgun up a guy's backside and then somehow attaches the trigger to a guy sitting in front of him who's unconscious so when he wakes up and moves the shotgun goes off, shoots through the guy <laughs> with the shotgun up his backside, out his mouth, and kills the guy who moved. It's like it. This and that wow. is possibly the one flaw of the remake over the original. The original, she's just, she's just like, getting she's normal revenge. She has no skills. She's got no yeah. skills. Yeah. With this one, she's a like she's a, a writer from New York or from the city. I, mean, yeah. I never really say what city it is from. She's from from memory, but she's just a writer from the city who disappears and lives in the woods for a month while she's recovering from this brutal rape. And when she comes, she's an expert with fishing hooks and (laughs) shotguns and ropes. And she hog ties a guy and then belts his face off with lye. Too
4: much Home Alone for her.
5: Yeah. She's like, you know, and it's pretty kind of full on. Yeah,
4: it is. It's a really brutal film because it's it's part of the the, the wave of torture porn movies that came out at that time. But yeah. Yeah.
5: And then there's a a sequel with a different girl. There's two sequels. And then there's a third one, which is... But, and then the, the third one is the same girl from the first one who's in a support group. And then and it's kind of like Julia. She, with another girl in the support group, decides, you know what? The best therapy is more of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so they just go... It's like then it becomes Death Wish. Where <laughs> totally. they just take out street scum. There you go. Wow. <laughs> Bet you weren't <laughs> expecting that. Yeah, it sounds Delightful. <laughs> <but> delightful. <laughs>
6: But uh, it shows revenge is a, a clearly a popular thing that people love to watch in movies. For some reason we love seeing revenge. We do.
4: Um people get their comeuppance. Yeah, um, and
6: that's what we love to see. So speaking
4: of, my, my next suggestion um is probably another one of those death wish kind of movies where, you know, it's taken a lot of cues from, similar to The Brave One and Prisoners. Peppermint, which was uh from two thousand and eighteen, starring Jennifer Garner, directed by Pierre Morel, who um what he made he made Taken and the gunman. So he's sort of on that lupus on, yeah, right. you know, bandwagon as well. But this um, Garner plays a mum who witnesses her husband and um and son get murdered in a drive-by shooting. She's also mowed down as well and goes into like recovery. But then at the murder trial, when these uh, guys you know, are found not guilty, she then sort of attacks them in the courtroom like really savagely, gets dragged away and locked up in a psychiatric ward. So then you cut to five years later. Suddenly, those guys that were up on murder charges wind up dead in really brutal ways, and it turns out for the last five years she's been traveling the world, learning all of these sort of, you know, military skills, and you know she's like now an expert markswoman, and and it's
5: just one but of she, those. And she does it while she's living with the homeless. Yeah, she's living yeah. on Skid Row, she's, she's in a van. a van. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
6: Who's, who, who, so who's playing this? You
5: Jennifer Garner, right. alias,
4: uh, alias yes, right. and. I mean, and she's very petite in this, so which makes it all the more powerful when she just, you know, comes out with a gun and you know cocks it and just starts blowing people away. I guess when you live with
6: Ben Affleck for that long, you <laughs> learn how to.
4: to, learn how to uh... She's essentially Miss Rambo. Like, have you seen it? Yeah. What's What's yeah. it
6: What's its tone? Is it Is it sort of going tongue in cheek, or is it sort of winking at the audience, or it's, is it going, "Hey, we're playing this straight."
4: It's oh, a little bit of both because it's kind of straight, but then there's those little bits of John Wick that. Pop up in there, you know, because it gets very fanciful with her, yeah, her skills. Uh, but I guess, like I said, Death Wish is probably the closest, you know, as far as I'm concerned. What What do you reckon?
5: Because she's, I mean, she's. It's against like the mob, right? That's who she's. Well, and cartel. The, cartel. Yeah. 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 Um, like it's it's just it is very. I, I found it to be kind of very by the numbers in in oh, that uh, entirely in that kind of like low budget but still studio. Action film like a very kind of DTV, yes, but good DTV. It, it
4: felt a bit like Death Sentence, the one that yeah. James Wan directed, which was the sequel to Death Wish in yeah. book form. Yeah, so that's the kind of uh, the okay. kind of world we're living in with this one. But um, Matthew, you're up next. All
6: right. Well, I'm going to go with one that I don't think it's all about revenge, but certainly revenge is part of it, and and that's Sicario. Oh yeah. Uh, I found the spoilers. The ending with. Um, Benicio del Toro and the family, uh, an interesting, um, says something interesting about revenge, how when you, um, he, he was very justified to feel upset for what had happened to him. <laughs> yeah. But what, how, what I loved about it is how uh, by, um, him taking out revenge it essentially becomes the same. He becomes as bad as Certainly the people does. that have done the wrong to him. And i that sort of, you know, as a theme, it's a great theme—the nature of revenge. He's a really
4: complex character, and yeah. when it comes to you know, we won't give away what the moment is, but when it comes to that moment where he gets to exactly his revenge, he's so focused on that one individual that all other individuals are inconsequential.
6: Yes, you know, and we sort of sit there and go, "Oh my god, that's terrible!" But it, you know, we—but
4: you applaud the film for doing it. Yeah, well, I do. Like, oh, know,
6: absolutely, because because it's 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 saying something, and um, you know, it isn't just frivolous blow up—you know, entertainment. It's actually yeah you know, talking about. You know, it's saying yeah. something about people.
4: And I think where his character goes and the depths that he goes to makes the sequel even more powerful with his okay. character. I haven't seen the sequel, but I'm I'm going to. He is much more the focal character in the sequel. Okay. Um, and his story is just harrowing in that one. Right. So, yeah. Well, I've got to
6: see it. I I'm, my first viewing of Sicario, <laughs> I felt a bit cold and indifferent to the whole thing. Um but it was on your recommendation saying it's you know really, really good. I'm like, you know what, i give it another go. And I gave it another go and then finally it clicked. Yeah, on i the kind second of, viewing.
4: I kinda of reckon it's near perfect. Like this the sound design, like oh, a beautifully made
6: film. Like really I mean all these films are
4: moves beautiful. at a cracking beautiful. pace. Do you like Sakari? Never seen it. Oh yeah, let's let's so. do a double feature. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Number three's coming, let's uh let's do a triple. Do feature. a marathon. I don't <laughs> generally
5: like kind of drug cartel y type type movies. Sure because I just don't I don't care. Yeah.
4: Like this one I reckon you will because but, uh, it's not so much about the cartels it is about, about the, cops, the uh, is lives that? affected by them. Yeah, right.
6: and it's more about the cops going after them rather than the cartels. It's a,
4: yeah, it's a very yeah, um right. police procedural kind of thing. Yeah, in a, but procedural off Grid, like you know, so yeah, you know, no one knows we're doing this type of thing, yeah.
6: But yeah. No, it's a solid film. I'm glad to hear that the sequel wasn't done by Denny, was it? So he produced it, he okay.
4: may have co written it, i not, not sure there, but yeah. um, it's I like it more, I think it goes much further than that that first one did. It's not as good a film technically, but it's just a much more pleasing film to me. I just, you know, right. I like its tone because
5: Emily Blunt in the first one, yeah, right? and so she's the uh, it's someone else, it's another woman. In
4: no, film. no, the second one is just Benicio del Toro and um, right. Josh Brolin. Yep. Um who both of those were in the original. But I think Emily Blunt's coming back for the third one. Mm,
6: right. That's what I heard. Yeah. All yeah. Right, well, I'm definitely going to run out and go and buy the sequel.
4: Yes. Um what's it called? Soldado.
5: Yeah, Soldado. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It was called Cigario 2. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we call it. Isn't it? Uh, I am going to have a lot of trouble finding that on Letterboxd. When <laughs> I just type in No, Sicario 2. <laughs> what are they talking about?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was about to throw to you, but you've already done yours, haven't you? I've done mine. Well, here lies the end of the show. That came out of nowhere. (laughs) 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 They sneak up on you, Matthew Holmes. It's been a pleasure. Mm. You're the first return guest. Thanks for hanging around.
6: No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Perhaps Maybe I'll we, come back a third time I was about in to year, say. another year or something. Maybe <laughs> I'll have another film. Do you know what?
4: Last time he was on the show, it was right at the start of the pandemic when it just hit and we were in and iron whether we should go ahead with it. And we That's just... right.
6: It was literally like everyone go into lockdown and we were like, should I come up and do this show?
5: <laughs> yeah, screw it. Let's do it. Yeah. They can know that now.
4: <laughs> 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 and you came onto the show midway through the pandemic.
5: I did, but I did not come down for it.
4: No, 20 episodes, I think, in the can over Zoom. Over Zoom. <laughs> anyway, uh, Matt. Look, good luck with the cost, mate. We're yes, going to definitely be keeping tabs on that one and following it through its progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, my friend, thank you as always. Do you, thank you. Do you have any parting words or?
5: Check out Blue Ruin. I didn't mention it as one of my films, uh, but I should have. New Zealand that film? Is a, right? no, 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 no. It's a it's an American film. It's by the same guy who did um, the Green Room. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know his yeah, name. Yeah, no, that don't was, worry, but the lead it was Kiwi, but anyway. There's uh, there's there is a, is a there is a New Zealand. Revenge film, it's blue something or another. I'm getting the two mixed up. Um, It's not Blue Waffle. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Glenn. You can't just throw in a Blue Waffle reference in the last minute of the show. (laughs) That's from Ice Bit on Your Grave
4: Floor coming to a theatre near you. (laughs) Anyway, just to recap, thanks to Jarrett, Adam Guillermo, Joe, Chad and James. Thank you to Tia also who's been helping us with our uh, social media behind the scenes. We're very grateful to her for that. And thank you all for listening. Um, we have midweek videos coming up tomorrow night, Tuesday and then Thursday night, including my reaction to Angelina Jolly's new thriller, Those Who Wish Me Dead. That'll be interesting, won't it, Ben? Yep. <laughs> ben, ben may have forgotten to turn up to that screening. Uh, so keep your eyes on Facebook I was, I was, and I was Instagram.
5: In, I was in... My tracksuit pants, enjoying my dinner when you got when you sent me the text going, I'll be upstairs. Like, what the fuck are you talking about upstairs? (laughs) I live in a one in a one story house. And why are you? I don't think I even told you my address. And uh, I was like, oh shit.
4: (laughs) Well, we're going to leave you with a piece of music from the soundtrack to Cold Pursuit, a remix version. I'm going to do (laughs) a remix version of Speedo from the great George Fenton. Uh, Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next Monday.